Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, a.k.a. The Gun Show. Oh, he did it. It's The Gun Show. If you're listening on Spotify, unfortunately, you have no idea what you're missing. <laughs> but to our lovely YouTube audience, that's right. You get a little a little gun action. I'm even showing a little shoulder. Try not to cream yourself, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no sugarcoating it around here, Dom. We just, I, I respect it. There's no foreplay around here. We just spit on it and then just go right in, you know. Anyways, so this is, uh, in case you can't tell, it's an after dark episode. It is because, after dark. Uh, um, if, when you're watching this on Monday, I will be in Gatlinburg, Tennessee on a nice, lovely family vacation. So, to accommodate my traveling schedule for Sunday, when we usually record, Dominic has graciously given up his... Well, now it's Sunday morning to <laughs> to get this out of the way. So we are recording this immediately following UFC Apex 58. Yes, yes. So Dominic, um, a little bit new for us here, kind of doing immediate thoughts. No time to really digest. We kind of just had to watch it. And we immediately hop on here. How are you feeling? I know we don't have. I know we're kind of. You know, we're trying to get through this show efficiently. But I got to ask you, just like, how's the week been going? Anything on the horizon that you're looking forward to? What's going on? Uh, it was a good weekend, man. I actually made another trip up to Columbus, helped the girlfriend move apartments. So mm. that was yesterday. That was a long day. You know how moving goes. It's, oh, it's not fun. Regardless it's, I, if it's yours or someone else's you're helping, it's not fun. I think moving's the the. I think it, that's when they say that the devil like is like working, like he's still <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah. Yeah. It's not through alcohol, through drugs, <laughs> through crime, through any of that. It's through moving. Through moving. <laughs> Apartments, houses, whatever the case may be. Um, so, yeah, that was yesterday. It's just been nonstop kind of busy work this morning, right into the fights this evening, after dark recording today. But that's all right. There's oh. no rest for the wicked. We keep going. We keep chugging forward because... With the below average Joe's baby, but it was a good weekend. I'm excited for the week ahead. We've got some beautiful weather lined up. We've got golf outings lined up down here with the buddies, so I'm very excited, Noah. But first and foremost, we got to talk about the fights. How's your weekend? Are you excited for vacation? Yeah, the weekend's been good. Traveled home, uh, took the two hour trip from Indiana to Ohio uh, Friday after work. I got to leave a little early. My boss was very gracious and letting me kind of take off early to miss some of that traffic through Cincinnati. Nice. Uh, which I was thankful for. Um, still kind of hit the traffic, but that's okay. I won't tell him that. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's been good. Just um, really just been getting ready to go. You know, yeah. realized on my way back, I don't have a suitcase. I was putting all my stuff. So I use a tote as like a, for like, um, well, I move all my stuff. Like, I pack all my stuff in totes and move it. Yeah, yeah. So I basically have been dragging around, like, the same six or seven totes since freshman year of college. Like, just <laughs> just throw them in the closet when it's time to move out, pack it all up, take it back when it's time to move It gets back the job done. Yeah, yeah. It's So I've had these, like, six or seven totes. And basically, whenever I go home... I just pack up, pack up everything in a tote, which I also use as like a dirty clothes hamper. I remember that. Yes. So, um, 
so my mom was none the wiser for a long time because I, she just assumed I was bringing back like a mixture of clean stuff, dirty stuff, whatever. No, my mom does not still do my laundry, by the way. But I'm just saying. Um, then I realized, like, on my drive home, I don't have, like, a suitcase. Like, I just don't have one. Oh, not at all. No. Oh. And, um, and I'm like, well, shit, I guess I'll just take my stuff in the tote. <laughs> um, now, in case you can't tell, I'm in my mom's office right now. You of see course. the decor in the background. Yeah. My mother, great woman. She likes her nice things. She likes to live uh, on the wild know. side. <laughs> Interesting choice of words. <laughs> I was gonna say she likes to live a little, like the high life, a little bit. Okay. Like, I guess you know, high life in a general sense. Not mm. like it, we're not rich, but I, right, you know what right. I mean. She she likes her nice things. You yes. Know, she's, she likes very materialistic stuff, like nice car, nice utilities, all that stuff. And who doesn't? But um, she was like, absolutely not. You are not taking a tote on vacation. (laughs) You need a suitcase, and we're going to go get you one. So after we ate dinner, I drive her and my stepdad to Kohl's. And uh, I'm like, I'm not going in. Because I'm kind of pissed. I'm like, you're forcing me to get a a suitcase. I don't want to get a suitcase. Right. I don't want to buy a suitcase. And she's like, no, you have to buy a suitcase. And I'm like, why do I have to buy a suitcase? (laughs) So then I said, no, you go in and get it. I said, I'll pay you back. I said, go ahead. I was kind of throwing a little hissy fit. Yeah. Yeah. So they go in and they come out with one and they're like showing it to me. I'm like, oh, wow. It looks like it's great. I said, awesome. How much was it? And they're like, oh, it was $120. And I was like. (laughs) You're, you're like, telling me you're telling me that shit wasn't fifteen ninety nine. So you want to go and just make that an early birthday present? <laughs> so I was like, man, what? The? I said, uh, Sally Mae's like calling me, like saying, "Yo, yeah. you gotta pay your first your first student loan payment." Now all of a sudden, I didn't want the suitcase. I'm being forced to buy the suitcase, right? And then I'm being forced to pay with my left leg for the suitcase. Well. Then I got told that I was out of line. I was like, "What do you, what do you mean?" <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's all good. But it was just, it was, it caught me off guard in the moment. I didn't realize the market value for suitcases was so high. I guess they are pricey. I didn't know that. I just, I believe her. Like she said, there was like two options, and the other one was like much more expensive. Yeah. So I believe her, and it's not that the money is like an issue. It's just I was expecting to pay like twenty bucks, not a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, "Wow, hmm. oh, well." Well, at least you have it now. Yeah. yeah, that's that's very true, and I I know I just told that whole story, and you guys at home are like, "Today, Junior, with the fucking fights." So, all right, let's just go straight into the main event. I know that's what you guys are here to talk about. Rafael squared went down at the Apex, Las Vegas, Nevada. UFC, Vegas, or Apex, whatever your fancy. 58. And Fazayev, Rafael Fazayev, gets the fifth round TKO over Rafael Dos Anjos. Only 18 seconds in. Blinking Dominic- you miss it. <laughs> yeah, really. I actually did miss it. <laughs> I, uh, I had to go pee between the fourth and fifth round, and I come out, and I could hear it in the bathroom. Like Brendan yeah. Fitzgerald going nuts. And I'm like, yeah. man, I said, as a guy who bet on RDA, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, 
Maybe RDA pulled off the Hail Mary. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, not what happened. Uh, Fazayev becomes only the third man, I believe, in RDA's illustrious career mm-hmm. to finish him via strikes. I know he's only the third man in the UFC to do it. Um, the first, or no, the first since RDA's debut in the UFC to drop him. Uh, Jeremy Stevens dropped RDA mm. back in his debut. I found this out for clarity. Since that debut, though, he has not been dropped in any fight since. Even in the yeah. Eddie Alvarez one was a standing TKO loss. So True. here, Fazayev drops him, gets the follow-up shot. Mark Smith, the referee, steps in. That's it. Um, Dominic, we got five, well, mostly four rounds and then yeah. a nice little cherry on top with the finish in round five. Uh, what takeaways did you, uh, I guess what really, maybe let me, let me, let me, let me ask you something maybe more interesting. Like what really, was there anything that surprised you about either contestant? Was it, whether it good or bad about Fazayev or RDA that you weren't expecting going in? Um, well, I knew that Rafael Fazayev's takedown defense was great. He had that 95% takedown at defense going into this fight but against no one like RDA. But he did phenomenal in takedown defense throughout mm-hmm. this fight. I think probably ended up around defending 12 out of 14, 13 out of 15, probably something like Might that by the end of that, the fight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, while the fight itself, I guess, played out, because in my head I was kind of leaning Fazayev by decision, thinking he wins the early rounds, RDA comes on later, and that's kind of what happened because mm-hmm. RDA I gave the fourth round to. Um, but yeah, the takedown defense looked great. But other than that, he fought how I expected him to. RDA fought how I expected him to. And I mean, yeah, it really, it was just, it was a good performance from both guys. And then obviously when you get a knockout in the fifth round, that does, like you say, add a cherry on top for Fasaya. You kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I asked you that question because truthfully, from my perspective, again, these are live thoughts here following immediately after the yeah the the show has gone off the air so for all we know we might wake up tomorrow and feel slightly different but i didn't feel like this fight this fight really went about yeah the biggest surprise was the finish i mean yeah to get that finish so quickly in round five and to do it against rda right i mean that was a huge statement for fazayev who was already on his way to a likely decision victory now i will say i thought round three was very close Admitted betting bias here. I mean, I bet on RDA money line. I thought round three was very close. I guaranteed most people would probably score it for Fazayev. The striking I thought was pretty even, but I think the failed takedowns of RDA might sway mm-hmm. judges into scoring it for Fazayev. Round four was a great round for RDA, and I went, yes. okay, if he can get a quick takedown in round five, I said he could actually maybe. Yeah finish him here like i said because i've really saw fazayev slowing down again like i saw in round three against bobby green mm-hmm. or if it was round two i don't remember i had a uh gentleman oh, I saw watching that. Yeah. he left a comment I'm, i I don't remember exactly but i remember him slowing down in that fight yeah and here i saw similar shades i was like okay he's slowing down right here this is where rda that's when rda got the first takedown of the fight so yeah um but really, everything else was pretty much as expected. Fazayev mm-hmm. had the advantage in the striking. He was landing hard shots. He was very fast, 
doing some matrix shit with his defense. He was throwing a lot of crazy kicks. Um, RDA hanging in there, having good striking himself. He was able to get off a few good shots himself, but obviously not the level of striker Fazayev is. Um, I didn't expect, like, I, I kind of thought RDA would struggle to get takedowns early on. Fazayev has the best takedown defense percentage-wise in the entire UFC outside of Kamaru Usman. Yeah. You know, Usman's number, I mean, Colby technically got a takedown in the second fight, but they don't count it. Whatever, you know. I mean, it's, but Fazayev, that's saying a lot. I mean, this is a guy who everybody knows that that's where you need to get the fight, and he has made sure that nobody can take him there. Yeah. But you're right. I think the opponents he's fought before this weren't up to snuff to really challenge him in that department. And RDA was. And RDA, for the most part, just wasn't able to do it. I thought RDA, what, what I was hoping I'd see more of from him early on was not necessarily even going for takedowns, just using a takedown attempt to simply put Fazayev against the cage and try to kind of take away some of that energy that way, slow the pace yeah. down a little bit, um, but make Fazayev work at the same time. Like, make him have to fight off the takedown, but all you're trying to do is just put him up against the fence and kind of pelt him with some shots, um, hit him, you know, knee him with, into the in the obliques and stuff like right. that, really try right. to just slow him down. Uh, there wasn't a ton of that, but uh, all in all, I mean, this fight really, I think it, most people... We're leaning Fazayev going in. They thought it was probably closer than the odds had it, and I think that that's kind of what you got here. Um, but I mean, to finish RDA yeah, should not big. be that cannot be understated or overstated. Yeah, uh, that is quite the badge of honor for a young fighter like Fazayev, mm -hmm. and I take that very seriously. I do. Could you argue the finish was a little quick? Yes. Like, I'm not, I don't know, I, to me it's all like, like, I will say, if Herb Dean was ref in this fight, I feel like some people would have said some stuff, but I'm just, you know, hey, yeah. look, I'm not, that's not the, that's not the argument I want to get into today, right? Yeah. So, I'm just saying it could have been a little quick, like maybe RDA still had a little bit left, maybe he could have, but I think that was going to be about it for RDA's chances in winning that fight. Yeah. Um, I didn't really see him coming back from that because it was a great shot. Mm. He shot out like a cannon in round five. Um, but I do take this seriously. I take that win very seriously. Not only was it a win, but it was kind of a statement at the end there. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where the real surprise comes in, the real shock factor, the real, like, prove me, show me something here. So, Dominic, with that being said... How high do you kind of match this guy up next? I mean, I know he's just getting the win here, and we have a lot of lightweights kind of sitting around doing a whole lot of nothing right now. That's kind of the way I'm looking at the top of this division. I think there's a lot of guys kind of getting nervous. Yeah. They're trying to make their money while they can because I think a lot of these guys that have been up at the top for a long time recognize that the Gamrots, the Makachevs, the Saryukians, the Fazayevs. They're coming. They're coming, and I don't know how many of these guys, you know, the Dustin Poiriers, the Justin Gaethje's, the Michael Chandler's, uh, even Benil Dariush maybe. Like, I don't know if those guys, I don't know how many of those they can win. So, yeah. um, 
for you with this win, where do you kind of place Fazayev next? You know, what kind of matchup can he really expect in his next fight? Well, I mean, to your point, with a lot of these veterans that are in that top five, I don't think they're going to accept a fight with these young guys right now, at least until they get their name up a little bit more. But even then, I just don't know. Um, Because a lot of these guys don't even have that many fights left in them, you know, so why would they want to fight some young up-and-coming guy where they'll just be like, well, they can wait, I'll leave, and then they'll come back. So call me crazy here, and I don't even really necessarily like that I'm doing this, but I kind of feel like it's the route the UFC might do. Rafael Fazayev and Matos Gamrot, five-round main event, seven versus eight. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Really going for it That's what I would do. That's what I would do. And that's a fight where the rankings don't tell the story. Like that's no. truly a title eliminator type fight. That is a yeah. a top five level main event. Yeah, and I would um, again like I wish both could fight further up, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So, well, we can kind of walk through this together. We can look at the lightweight division, mm-hmm. kind of where it stands, and see and see if we can put the pieces together here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I know that this is changing on a week to week basis. But, and maybe, you know, we just talked about this kind of a little bit last week with Volkanovski now trying mm-hmm. to throw his name in the hat. So technically, we don't have a champion. We do. Yeah. But you get what I mean. Yeah. The belt is up for grabs, technically. Charles Oliveira should, and I hope will be a part of that uh, vacant title fight, whatever it's announced. Yeah. It's either, it's got to be either Islam Makachev or Alexander Volkanovsky. Right, one would think. I would slightly prefer, after kind of lay, laying on it, sleeping on it a little bit, I would slightly prefer to Islam Makachev fight. Yeah. I think I prefer Volkanovski to just stick at 145. I think there's a lot of good matchups still to make there. And um, I don't think he's quite like cleaned out the division. Beat Max three times says a lot. Yeah, but uh, I still think there's other guys. I think Josh yeah. Emmett, even even though you might not give him much of a chance, I, I, him Yair Rodriguez. If Yair wins next week, yeah, yeah, you got good fights. I mean, even Calvin Cater could work his way right back. Uh, yeah. The winner of Chikadze Sadiq is going to be Allen's there. Arnold there. Allen, yep. So, and not to mention like Bryce Mitchell's on yeah. the way up. Like there's yeah. there's solid guys that are on their way up. Now I'm not saying I'm going to favor any of them to beat Volkanovski. I'm just saying I I would prefer Volkanovski sticks around there. And not to mention uh, Henry Cejudo could be a fight as well. True. So let's do Charles Islam right, and let's say that happens by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So that puts those two puts the title picture kind of out of reach for now. Then you got Dustin Poirier, who. Had that moment at UFC 276, the video came out of him and Michael Chandler kind of going at it. But from all I keep hearing is that there's a good chance that him and Nate Diaz still gets made. That's what I keep. I still hope that's what happens for Dustin. And when I say I keep hearing that, I keep going off of the way Ariel talks about it a little bit. He's very coy, you know. He has to be because he's. He's not trying to blow up anything for Nate here. He's really advocating for Nate to get that fight. But I go off of the tone. Chance that September or October you might see that fight get announced. That seems to be the way that they're heading is for that fight still. Yeah. Not sure if that's going to hold true. But let's say Dustin Poirier is taken there. Justin Gaethje going to get surgery. True. Uh, He likely won't be back until early next year. Yeah. So he's kind of out of the picture. 
least I would think so. I mean, Fazayev's likely not taking a fight until towards the end of the year anyways, but um, after that, I mean, Benil Dariush, I think, is a great choice. It's him and Michael Chandler. That's the only Did I mention it was Benil Dariush who I said for Matos Gamrot? I think it is. It may have been. Uh, Poor Benil. I know. <laughs> that's, he's the odd man out, and that's yeah. unfortunate. I don't... I kind of want Benil to fight, like, soon, though, and I... What do you think about the, if, like, if he were to fight Michael Chandler? Yeah, I mean, that's... To me, I wonder if Michael... So, did you see Michael Chandler's Instagram post that he kind of directed at Charles Oliveira? I, I saw he was asking for basically, like, a vacant shot if he wants to wait for Connor. He'll fight Yes, Islam. so he kind of worded it, like, if Charles is adamant about taking a Connor fight and not fighting until then... Yeah. Then he would love to step up and take a vacant title shot against Islam... Well, of course. And then hold on to the belt. Keep the seat warm, yeah. in his words, until Charles would be ready to come back. Um, not that I mind him calling a shot, but I think there's just a lot of flaws in that scenario. Yeah, yes. I don't see Connor taking a Charles fight, especially if there's no belt on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the big one. And <laughs> I don't, Chandler, like, I don't think I don't. Be... Well, I don't think Charles is going to want to wait that long to fight. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. fight literally the cream of the crop in the UFC. It took him so long to get to this point. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you maximize that? But, um, yeah, so I guess we're on the same page there. I do think Michael Chandler, Benio Dariush sounds pretty fucking awesome. It'd be a good like fight, a, I think. A, a, I, I, they'd probably put it on a pay-per-view because Michael Chandler seems to kind of be that kind of guy for the UFC. But Yeah. Um, and then I you, think you're right. I think then it's Matos and... Yeah. Honestly... Dom, I, I think it might be time to kind of go ahead and let these young guys kind of work themselves out. I mean, eventually it's going to just have to. Happen. I know it's 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 going to be frustrating for a lot of fans probably if that gets announced because they're going to be like, why aren't some of these guys in front of them getting told they need to fight these right. guys? But I do think you kind of break it down, and there is legit kind of reasons yeah. around. You know, none yeah. of these guys I think are avoiding those fights. But I do think that there's a lot of, um, there, you know, there's a lot of big money fights available in this division, and I think you, there's a lot of guys at the top that are wanting to maximize what time they have left, and a potential money to be made from a Gamrot or Fazaya fight might be significantly less than fighting each other, like Poirier Chandler or right. Poirier fighting Diaz or Gaethje fighting whoever. I mean, you got a, all those scenarios out there, right? So. Yep. Um, yeah, I love that idea. Now that the more I'm thinking about Fazayev Gamrot, dude, that's I mean, actually and the stylistically, I mean, yeah. what Gamrot yeah. showed against Saryukian, I mean, wow, you really sold me on that. I think uh, again, it's... not what I thought I was going to say coming in, but once you break down the rest of the division, I don't know if I want to put Benil in that fight. Just like I already did it with Gamrot, felt bad enough doing it there, but man, Benil. Benio already deserves arguably a title shot because of his win streak. But so if you're not going to give him that, give him a big name for him to fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? The poor guy. This yeah. is crazy. So uh, I guess before we kind of move on here, RDA, yeah, did did take a pretty big loss here. Yeah. Um, what does this mean for his future? I don't know if that's. I don't know if we're being a little too premature and talking about it, but I mean. 
I'm not thinking retirement or anything, but I'm I'm assuming this guy's going to want to keep fighting. Yeah. What what what's it, is it too early to say? You know what this loss kind of means for him and his, uh, I guess his future. Uh, I think he still is obviously definitely good enough to fight and beat really good talent. But mm-hmm. I think that that one last run for the title that was very much in reach going into this yeah. main event is probably gone now, which is unfortunate for a guy that really was putting it all together again at 36, at 37. I didn't realize he had such a bad year last year. With He had two surgeries that I didn't know about until the promos and stuff today. So mm-hmm. I hope he continues fighting and gets a couple of good fights. I mean, I, I part of me doesn't even want to really matchmake for the guy because I don't want to put him up against these other young up-and-comers, but call me crazy. That... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what if we run it back with him and Tony? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a fight I thought of, and I know I said a different guy last week, but I actually prefer him to be the fight that would welcome Max Holloway to lightweight. Oh, that'd be an interesting fight. That I think that'd be a very. I think that's probably better than doing Gaethje because I feel like you're kind of throwing Max to the wolves again. If you, I feel like Max, if he goes lightweight, he should probably not fight like a top five guy. And I think yeah. RDA would be the perfect opponent, another champion. That's a great fight too. Like two legends of UFC, and you know a... RDA. RDA at this point in his career, he's not fighting. You know, three four times a year. He's usually doing about twice. So yeah. we probably won't see him until early next year yeah you know that's that's just an option i'm throwing out there i i, I fear otherwise you're kind of looking at him taking like a sorry fight like i feel like I, Armand, we, I don't want that you know for him i get it but i mean again like that's armand i think is still deserving of fighting a top 10 opponent and yeah you know rda kind of fills a really good role where he's not necessarily like a star like i mean he He's got the accolades, right? He's been in the UFC a long time. He's in the 20-win club. He's a former lightweight champion. He's a stud all around. Yeah. But he's a little bit below, like, a Tony in terms of leaving star power or fan favorite kind of thing. Yeah. Not saying saying he should be. Just that's kind of the reality. Yeah. But he's a a great gatekeeper right now. And And that's not even a negative connotation. It's not a negative, but I think if you're not – if you're if you're RDA and you're committed to continuing your career, but you kind of recognize maybe he doesn't. I'm sure he still thinks he could still put a string of wins together and get a title fight. But if we're kind of closing the door on that, the next best thing is to be testing out these guys that are kind of ready to get that top ten matchup. I mean, I don't think I go out. I don't think it'd be crazy for him to upset Armand Saryukin, but I also think Armand could. You know, I mean. It could be just a lot of what we saw here with Fazayev, but I mean, he was very competitive with Fazayev, even if he, he was, was losing. He was. So, I, I I get what you're saying. I don't dislike a Tony fight. Um, I like I yeah, RDA Tony names like Tony Dan Hooker, Diego Fajera. Ooh, Dan Hooker's a good one too. I like all those types of fights. Yeah, you know, I I agree. I do agree with that. I do like the idea of Dan Hooker. I, I, the timing's got to kind of match of up course. too. So, of course. Um, but all the respect to both these guys for taking this fight, for obvious reasons. RDA kind of probably should have been fighting someone. Right. In an ideal world, he's fighting a top five opponent, coming off of two back-to-back just baller wins. Yeah, Fazayev, I felt like this was the toughest matchup for him. 
from here to the title. So he, he passed that. I mean, all the and like you were saying guys. Friday, he was wanting it, you know, too. Yeah. Like no one else yeah. calls out RDA. So yeah. his fight fell out. They could have went their separate ways, yep. but Fazayev continued to hammer that that's the fight he wants. So 100%. respect to both guys. But, Absolutely. Um, we got more on this card to come. We do have one little tidbit here real quick, and I'm very happy to say this mm. one. Jimmy the Brick Flick is ending his retirement from MMA and will be returning to the UFC. For those of you that don't know or don't remember, Jimmy Flick was a, a he was a contract winner from season four, I believe, of Dana White's Contender Series oh, yeah. back in uh, 2020. And um, he was a standout. He's a flyweight, which is always kind of adds a little more intrigue for guys like us because that's not yes. a that's not a deep division. Um, he came in, got a great win in his debut against Cody Durden, actually of all people, who's kind of his name's grown a little bit since then with the flying triangle, just, just a so crazy sick. submission. Um, retired after that, unfortunately, kind of called it quits. Said I, you know, he did what he wanted to do in the sport. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure his reasoning for wanting to come back, but I am not opposed to seeing Jimmy Flick back in that flyweight division. I actually am very excited about it. I mean, based off of the short life we got to see from him with contender series in UFC, who are we to say that he can't come in and crash right into that top 15, top 10 of the flyweight division? It's not hard to do. Like you said, it's not a deep division. This guy could literally come in, win a fight, and booyah, you're right there with all these other dudes that we talk about all the time. So I love that he's coming back. Very fun fighter. Likes to just kind of go all out. And, again, when you're pulling off flying triangles and shit, come on, come back. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Moving on to the fight announcements now. We got a lot on here, a lot of fight denouncements, but a lot of replacements. So uh, we start with next week's card, UFC Long Island. One of the more anticipated fights on the undercard was the Billy Squared. Yeah. Or Bill Squared, I guess. Yeah, Billy Quarantillo taking on Bill Algio. Unfortunately, Billy Quarantillo is out of that fight with an injury. Uh, Bill Algio, though, will be fighting Herbert Burns, the brother of Gilbert Burns, who we have not seen since his, like, very shocking loss at UFC 252, I think, to Daniel Pineda. Wow, it's been that long. Is that really? I think that's his last fight. Because um, I don't think he's won since. I don't think. I, I could don't, be wrong. but that's There the might last, be one in there that's forgettable. But but yeah. um, that's still the big takeaway right now. And yeah. Herbert Burns was originally scheduled to fight someone on this card, but his opponent had the pull right. as well. So that's why you're kind of getting these two matched up. So, yes, both taking this opponent on short notice, but at least both guys in fight camp yeah. ready to go. Um, I think it's a good fight. You know, I think Bill Algio is a very talented guy. Um, he's two and two in the UFC, but I think he's taken a lot of tough competition. Great fights. Um, Herbert Burns, a guy viewed as having a lot of potential right away. Uh, started out hot, got the knockout of Nate Landweir. That was really awesome. But then highly disappointing performance from him against Daniel Pineda. He lost weight or he missed weight going into that fight. And Pineda just turned out to be such a fucking, I mean, that dude's a fucking Kill or be break. killed, yeah. that guy. So I did, that was kind of unknown at the time. Yeah. Daniel Pineda was looked at as like a stepping stone, and he did not like that. Yeah. So I think this is a good fight. It, again, it sucks not having Billy Q on the card, but 
Um, it might end up being a better fight having Algio fight Herbert Burns just because Billy Q might be just a bit above Algio right now. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I see that. It's definitely going to be a fun fight. Yeah. Following that, July 23rd, the next week, UFC London, the Man. second time we are going there. Darren Till is out of his co-main event spot with the Joker, Jack Hermanson. Uh, just a string of bad yeah. luck and for Darren Till and disappointing performances mixed in. It's been a rough few years for him. He is being replaced. Oh my goodness! By Chris Curtis, and I'm, I I do want to start with the positive here. What an opportunity for Chris Curtis, a man oh, who man. was so disappointed that the Tuesday after his last fight against Vieira, he didn't have a number next yeah. to his name. Yeah. He was. I remember I was watching an interview he did with the Schmo. And he's like, he's like, Dana, where's my number? He's like, come yeah. on. Um, so now he's not just getting an opportunity for a number, Dom. He's getting an opportunity for a top 10 yeah, number opponent eight. right here. And you know what? I love, I love the fight. I love it. Like, I, I'm not saying that he's going to win because Jack Hermanson, very good. But I don't think he's outmatched either going in mm-hmm. on paper. So I think it's a great fight. Uh, any thoughts on that on the positive side? Yeah, I just think it's so sick. One, that Chris Curtis is willing to do that, travel all the way over there to London after just fighting in a pretty you know, hard-fought victory that he had against Vieira a couple weeks ago. But I, that performance against Vieira, you know, you look at that takedown defense and whatnot, that's got to get you excited to go and see him fight Jack Romanson because Jack is great on the ground, we know, but he's willing to stand and get in a war on the feet. Mm-hmm. Chris Curtis, the same way. I think that's actually a sick sick fight for like bonus potential and i think they're going to keep that as the co-main event it wouldn't surprise me if patty pimlet gets bumped up to that spot but i think they're going to keep it the co-main. i would keep that i like it and i i like it i'm glad to see chris curtis getting that opportunity a guy who's been around for so Mm -hmm. long um good for him now for darren till the the negative here man following this how much added pessimism do you get about Darren Till's current state and like kind of his future prospects here? Cause we know how talented Darren Till is. His potential has been through the roof for so long. He was kind of looked at as a leader of the next generation of European fighters kind of following, you know, the Michael Bisping's of the world mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, he started out real hot, you know, got getting great wins over like Donald Cerrone. And then he had that very close decision with Steven Thompson that a lot of people disputed. Yeah. Darren Till missed weight. They still gave him a title fight after against Tyron Woodley. He gets smashed. And then it's really ever since then, it's been kind of a rocky mm. road. Mm-hmm. Um, knocked out by Jorge Masvidal in a fight that was looked at as his kind of bounce back fight didn't go his way he gets that win over kelvin gastelum that was close but he you know he, he did the job and then it's just kind of i don't know it's just in between having these major injuries that have kept him out for extended periods you know he apparently fought on a potentially torn acl against Derek brunson back yeah. a year ago yeah. so uh is there a lot of added pessimism now about his future and his really his present value as it stands, I think there has to be. I think there has to be serious concern for just honestly, just his long term health in general, but especially fight career wise. Like, 
I want to be optimistic and say, well, good thing he's still pretty young. I don't even know if he's 30 yet or he's 29. Yeah, but these serious injuries, when you're tearing your ACLs, blowing out your knees and stuff, man, especially when you're in the fight game or any sport for that matter, we've seen people not be able to come back and be what they ever close to were in the past after injuries like that. So it just feels like every year for the past three or four years, there's been something going on with Darren Till fights getting canceled. We, that topology page picture we saw mm-hmm. the other day in our group chat, he's had like six canceled bouts within the last like two and a half years, which is just so unfortunate because I feel like a lot of them have been because of him due to injuries, whether it's small or large. So I am pessimistic about his future. I'm not saying we won't ever see him fight again in the UFC, but it's going to be, one of those types of careers that I'm going to have to go out and say, you know, especially if he never does reach like another, even contend for a title again, what could have been had all these injuries mm-hmm. not accumulated and mm-hmm. stuff. Cause obviously we know he fought healthy, got pushed into the title shot really fast, but I feel like that was kind of just a result of being pushed too quickly. I still felt like he had the talent to compete for titles. Uh, but now, I don't know, man. There's a, a whole, his whole career is in question, in my opinion. Wow, I do not feel near as strong as you actually on this. I, I do agree that it's hard to not look at the situation and get frustrated. I think is a good word, and obviously be pessimistic about. Um, I definitely feel pessimistic in the sense of like those injuries could really end up being a problem like it's just yeah if he if he can just never be truly healthy even to the point where when he's going into a fight he's severely handicapped like it's mm-hmm. it's just hard to really buy in but what i will say is i feel like if you take out the injuries which just walk with me here i'm not saying that they don't matter but just if you take them out and look at the decisions he's been making to kind of improve his camps and whatnot, I think it's been great. Him and Sweden, yeah. working with him and Hamzat, the best buddies, you know. I think mm-hmm. that whole operation he's got going on there is probably the best decision he could have made. So in terms of what he's doing for his game, I think he's kind of killing it right now. He's going to the place that's really going to make him work and test him and him and Hamzat are basically BFFs, and yeah. Hamzat's one of the best wrestlers in the upper weight classes. And Darren Till, we all know that's kind of where he struggled against. He's such a talented striker, mm-hmm. so they're kind of trading off one another. I think it's fantastic. So, again, the injuries are concerning because they do just keep popping up. But I still feel like some sort of sense of, like, I almost I just kind of look at this and go, okay, maybe it's just an over a slight overreaction. Mm-hmm. Again, the injuries are there. The injury is concerning, and the fact that they piled up. But I just can't help but feel like, man, this dude is really just—he's on the verge of shining again, and it's just about getting in there. And obviously, yeah. that's a big—you know—that's a big if, right? But I'm not sure how serious this injury is. You know, I don't know. What this fight was announced, I mean, it felt like it's been a while, so who knows, kind of, maybe this is a lingering part of that ACL injury. I don't know. I I don't know. Um, I would just kind of say, I guess for now, I don't, my, his future, like his career's not, I'm not at any point going to be questioning his his career off of this yet. Yeah. 
Fair. I, like to me, like, and that might blow up in my face because if you're right and he kind of is never really able to get back in there, or even when he does, he just doesn't look the same. Yeah. Then it's going to catch me off guard a little bit more. But for now, I still feel pretty good about him as long as, because I think he's doing the right things out of the cage as far as where he's spending his time doing his camp and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm a little more possible. Uh, optimistic about his future i guess i like it i like it next one pfl antonio carlos jr out uh he was the number one seed going into the playoffs in the light heavyweight division unfortunately shoe faces out of the playoffs now omariak madov his scheduled opponent will be taking on the number five seed josh silvera so Josh Silvera, the former double champ of LFA, he made his debut for the PFL a couple weeks ago. Got a second round finish, first round finish. I can't remember. Undefeated, it was a first right? Round. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's he might be, but definitely a stud. Yeah, he he, he is the son of. Um, I'm not going to remember who it is. He is the son of someone who is like a top dog at one of these big gyms. And I can't, gotcha. you know how, you know how bad that's my, that's my weakness with MMA knowledge. Yeah. Is the gym stuff. I'm not good with that. So he has kind of got the lineage, you know, he's an elite fight he, or he seems to be like an elite prospect. Right. Um, he looked fantastic in his debut. I think it was a first round finish, but he unfortunately, that was his only fight of the season. Yeah. So he was like tied, you know, and blah blah blah. Um, but now he gets his chance. So I guess um, there's a bright side. There's a happy ending to this that a guy like Josh Silvera, so young, so talented, gets another fight. You know, doesn't have to wait a whole another year to get back in there. But got to be a little gutted for Shoeface, right? Yeah, it's it's it sucks, man. This was his chance to go back to back, put another million in the bank. He was looking so good throughout this season, but. Uh, again, you know, you do have to feel good for a guy like Josh Silvera because he was on the um, whatever your Challenger show. series, yeah, Challenger series too. <laughs> My so, show, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, Omari Akhmadov has looked great since he transitioned over to PFL as well. So, you know, another former UFC guy that still has a chance to get in there for the title. I feel bad for Shoeface. It's unfortunate. Hopefully, he'll come back next year and get another shot mm-hmm. for going for a second title. But yeah, I mean, again. He was fifth place. He got a finish in his fight. If he deserves it point-wise in the way that PFL does their points, put him in there. I think it's a good test, though. It's a young guy against a very, yeah. very seasoned veteran in Omari Akhmadov. It's going to be his hardest uh, test to date for Silvera, unquestionably. As a, as a fan, I felt like with Antonio Carlos Jr. in here, he was kind of an inevitable winner. Like He just felt like he was going to win no matter what kind of mm-hmm. thing. I could be overestimating him a little bit. But um, now that Josh Silvera has been introduced, I'm actually super interested to see if he can actually win this thing. Cause That'd be quite the story. He too. is very, I mean, he's young. He's not fought. I mean, he's, LFA is his highest level of competition. Yeah. Um, sorry, my sister texted me and I was reading it a little bit. But um, all in all, I just think that'd be a really interesting story. As a fan, I can't deny I'm more interested in this, but I mm. also rec- I'm, I'm gutted a little bit for right. Antonio. You know, that's a million dollars. That's not a yeah. It's not something you want to miss out on. You know. Yes, very. September seventeenth, 
This was actually announced on the broadcast tonight as the co-main event underneath the uh, Corey Sanhagen Song Yudong fight. Love it. Giga Chikadze is looking to bounce back from his disappointing outing in his first main event against Calvin Cater. And he's doing so against a guy who is coming off of his bounce back, coming off of his toughest fight to date against Arnold Allen, where he lost, and Sadiq Yusuf coming off a win over Alex Caceres. So, Dom, you're a big Sadiq Yusuf fan. How do you evaluate his chances here against Giga Chikadze? And just how do you like this matchup overall? I like it in terms of, like, the careers of both guys, for sure. You know, when you look at Giga, he got his first chance at a main event. He failed um, really relatively badly. Not that it's a slight to lose to Calvin Cater, by the way. Dude's an animal. But um, now you – Yeah. So you have to bounce back. And it's not like he's fighting some unknown guy. He's still fighting a number 12 rank in Sadiq. And Sadiq has to fight up now. Like you said, he lost his toughest fight to Arnold Allen. He took a step back and fought Caceres. Now he's bouncing back up. It's two guys meeting just at the, in the middle, essentially. And both strikers, but in completely different ways. Giga, a great kickboxer, great at distance. Sadiq, more of a in-your-face, likes to get in the phone booth, press you up against the cage, work in his clinch. So I like it a lot. I think there's a lot of tests that need to be passed by both guys, and they're going to offer that to each other. So I very much like that, and especially as a co-main event underneath of Sanhagen and Yadong. It just, they both feel right to be placed right there so i like the fight more for giga than i do sadiq mm-hmm. and and this is why i was partly joking in the text i sent i know right. i did it more to get a reaction yeah. out of you but i do i will say for giga i i'm hearing like not morse code i know i'm like what the hell's going on here <laughs> anyways so for sadiq or sorry now i'm all flustered for giga, giga. <laughs> I like this fight for him because he's coming off a pretty tough loss after he kind of got he kind of got shot up pretty quick. I yeah, mean, he did. He went from a guy who had a couple of real disappointing, boring performances, and then he got like an I forget who he knocked out. He knocked out someone, and then he had the Giga kick against Cub Swanson, mm-hmm. and then obviously Edson Barboza fight. He puts on a great performance. Yeah. So it was pretty much like bam, bam, bam. He is all of a sudden your new contender. Yeah. Yeah. And then Calvin Cater was looking for his bounce back. Funny yeah. how so many bounce backs <laughs> in this discussion and Calvin Cater put it on him. Yeah. I mean, just kind of beat the brakes off of him for five rounds. It was like, it was like the diet Coke version of, like yeah, of Max, Max Holloway yeah. did to Calvin the year yeah. before. It was just funny. It was the first main event of each year. Just, yeah. I don't know. It was funny. But, um, I think this is the proper step back. A guy like Sadiq Yusuf, um, ranked right outside the top 10. But even if you take the rankings out of it, this is kind of going to lead into why I think for Sadiq, I don't like the matchup as much. Because even though Sadiq is taking a step forward, which you can argue is probably rightfully so after getting that win over Caceres, I have a hard time seeing where he wins this fight right yeah, now. Yeah, like on paper. I see like, that. Um, I think it's a tough matchup for him for sure. Cause Sadiq likes to sh- he likes to stand. He likes to yeah. trade. He likes to strike. He's very calculated and uh, methodical with the way he strikes. He picks his shots very mm-hmm. almost to an annoying degree where you kinda hope he throw he's a little more active sometimes. Mm-hmm. Giga Chikadze is I think 
just going to be a bit too advanced in the striking for him. I could be wrong. Sadiq may have a power advantage there. You would like to see Sadiq try to evolve a little bit and yeah, well-round his game because he does have the build of a guy who could have a decent wrestling base. Yeah, and, he's very and, strong. And, and very he? strong. He could utilize a clinch game a lot more. He just doesn't do it. He stays at distance so much. Like in the Caceres fight, he was the yeah, one. That's a that guy you don't keeping, want to do that with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was keeping a distance the entire time. Um, so I guess I get to Giga. I just think he might get kind of. I worried that he might. This might not be a great fight for him. Yeah, fair. But for Giga, I feel like it's kind of a perfect fight. Perfect <laughs> so, yeah. fight in a lot yeah. of ways. I like Sadiq. It's just that the matchup, you know. Right. Right. Um, our main event for October 1st has been announced. The five-round main event between Mackenzie Dern and Yan Zhao Nan. So number four and number five in the women's strawweight division. Dominic, your thoughts on this as a main event and just as a fight as a whole? Main event, I don't think it needs to be. Um, I feel like we do a good job of justifying what we need to see as main events, and I don't necessarily think this checks boxes. Um, but I do like the fight itself. Like it makes sense for both women. Mackenzie uh, coming off, she obviously had her first main event against Marina Rodriguez, lost that one. Then she bounced back and beat Tisha Torres. That was a close fight, though. So now she's number four. Yan Zhaonan um, is coming off back-to-back losses. She got beat up really bad by Carla, and then um, she lost to Marina Rodriguez in her mm-hmm. most recent fight. So it makes sense to to fight each other. But again, it doesn't need to be a five-round main event it just doesn't really check many boxes if mm. any for me so half and half you know it's like whatever I, see i'm actually I, I i don't really care for this much at all not mm. actually the main event part i'm less turned off by like again is it an ideal main event for me no but to me i do think that there's something to be learned here i mean mckenzie dern needs to show that like she can do the five rounds and do it successfully because that Marina Rodriguez fight, she got kind of outclassed. Yeah, I mean that was that was actually probably one of the if a lot of weaknesses were shown. Twenty twenty one in terms of main event performances, hers would rank like the most disappointing out of yeah. everybody that year. Yeah, and yes, yeah, she looked good against Tisha Torres. Right, was her was her right. last fight. Uh, but I would still like to you know I think a fight with Yan Zhao Nan like I think it works for her as far as the main event. And for Yan Zhao Nan, we've never seen her in a main event spot. So, um, And she is ranked in the top five in the division. So in that sense, I'm kind of like, that's good. What I don't like is the fight being made itself because Yan Zhao Nan's off back-to-back losses. She yeah. shouldn't have fought Marina Rodriguez in her last time out. Like, yeah. Let the girl take a step back. She got, right. de- she got demolished by Carla. Yeah. Not that Car- Carla doesn't do that to many people. No, literally, no. And um, you give her Marina Rodriguez, who is the other best contender in the division for a title shot. Yeah. And she put up a good fight, but Marina gets to win. Yeah. I don't think get, putting her up against the the next best person for Still a in the title top shot. Five. Yeah. And Mackenzie Dern. I just, like, come on. This, I didn't think about it Yan Zhao Nan is a very talented fighter. But continuing to kind of throw her to the wolves like this is not, it's kind of risky. Yeah. She's three straight losses. I mean, all of a sudden she's like a 500 fighter in the best women's weight class. It's that's true. 
And um, Mackenzie Dern's a tough fight. Um, so again, I, I don't hate it as a main event because I think there's a lot that can be learned. I just hate the fight. <laughs> like, I yeah. just don't think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, Rankings-wise, sure, 4v5. But, but like on um, Jan's side specifically, you're yeah, like... Yeah, Jan's side, I'm like, yeah. what, what is going on here? I mean, McKenzie, it's like, fine. It's, yeah, I mean, sure. Someone in the top five, yes. yeah. But uh, for Zhao Nan, it's like, this is puzzling. Like, I almost yeah. feel like the UFC just, like, keep... They, like, almost... Like, I almost feel like they don't really realize... Like, they're not even, like, thinking too hard about it, and they're just, like... Okay, we want to put someone up against a top five opponent. Well, Yan yeah. Nan's available. Let's give her her. Like McKenzie, like it feels like she's kind of being half assed thrown into these fights. Yeah. The Marina Rodriguez fight. Why was she fighting Marina Rodriguez? Like it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Marina Rodriguez is knocking on the door for a title shot. Right. Yan Nan got demolished by Carlos Esparza. Yeah. She looked good in the fight. It was very close. But right. again, that's just on paper, you know, that's. Yeah. That's true, man. I didn't even think about it that way. And we'll see. Maybe she'll come out here and kind of shock me and put up a great show. And that's why, as a main event, I'm not too disturbed. Interesting. I like that. So it's kind of weird. I kind of flipped it. I kind of flipped it like a a pancake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's October 1st, by the way. And then three weeks after that, Uh October 22nd. In Abu Dhabi, they did not say if this is going to be a pay-per-view or a fight night. I still think they're working out the details because I do think we're going to have two pay-per-views in October. Hopefully one of them's a free one. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, We will see, though, on an Abu Dhabi card on October 22nd, Bilal Muhammad taking on Sean Brady. So Bilal Muhammad, newly Hmm. or still kind of new to the top five of welterweight. He was calling for some pretty big matchups. Guys like Hamzat Shemaev, Colby Covington. Mm-hmm. We thought those fights would be out of reach. Then there started to get some rumblings that maybe him and Hamza could be a fight to make. Uh, yeah. And instead, he's going to end up taking Sean Brady. So Sean Brady, number nine, coming off a win against Michael Chiesa. Kind of his biggest test. A fight he looked great early. Towards the end, he started to get beat up by Chiesa a little bit, but still was able to get the decision win. Um, do you think that this, like, do you like this fight? Like in terms of for both guys, do you feel like Bilal's being a little bit screwed here? Or do you think, you know, it's just kind of timing wise, this is the best matchup kind of available for him? Um, not even really him getting screwed, but I'm just surprised he took this fight. Sean Brady side, everything checks off. It's perfect for him. It's great. He gets mm-hmm. a top five opportunity. He's undefeated. He's just taking the next step up the rankings. I am shocked Bilal took this fight. He talks a lot about wanting to fight up against guys like Colby and Hamzat. Both see, honestly, I thought him and Hamzat might actually come to fruition because they were like agreeing to it, but we know that that means nothing because Nate and <laughs> Dustin have done it for months now. But even like, you know, Bilal and Gilbert Burns even would like make sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good fight, and that didn't happen either. So a little bit weird that he's not getting, I mean, if you're number five, that's three choices right there, and they're all open right now and available. So, you know, I guess if you're Bilal, it's a little unfortunate if you're wanting to get in. But if you're willing to take the fight, I respect that too. Nobody's really calling to fight Sean Brady except for Kevin Holland. But, you know, he's in the back right now. Yeah. So uh, I, I like the fight. It's two very grapple-heavy fighters, though. And I, I so I don't know how the fight's going to play out necessarily. But I'm, I'm here for it. 
I I am I'm pretty on board with this. Yeah. I am. Um admittedly, Bilal Muhammad, I've had a hard time sort of accepting him as a top five welterweight. I'm just being honest. I understand he's a very good fighter. He's earned his way there. The wins over Steven Thompson and uh most recently Vicente Luque speak for yeah. themselves. Yeah. Um not the most exciting fighter in the world, but again, it doesn't matter. I just care right. about seeing the best fight the best. Even though in our group chat, um, if he saw what our group chat, the things I've joked about him, mm-hmm. probably, again, I'm getting my knees bashed in with the yeah, club. Right. Anyways, I called for him to fight Shavkat after Rachmanov's last win. <laughs> you did. And I was serious about it. I know. <laughs> Even though I've recognized like how tough of a fight that's going to be for yeah. anybody. I do think Bilal's in kind of a tough spot here. He is ranked number five. He called for some big fights. But I don't think the UFC would truly trust him in a high-profile fight. Like, sure, don't give him a main event. And, you know, they gave him Luke, who is the most, like, yeah. fail, fail-proof fighter when it comes to having exciting fights. And it was boring as shit. Yeah. So you couldn't make an exciting fight with Luke. Because you looked so good in the fight, to be fair. True, true. But um, I don't think the UFC are wanting... Like, I don't think they trust him with, like, a Colby or with a Hamzat. Because, like, the last thing they want is that fight to not deliver. Like, that's going to be a huge fight if it were to be made. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I think that's kind of the... Potentially the, the reputation he kind of has right now. The John Fitch. Yeah. Never forget, John Fitch got cut after, like, one loss coming off of, like, a GSP title fight loss or something. I don't remember the timetable. But he, like, had won all these fights in the UFC, took, like, one L, yeah. and the UFC, like, cut him. No. Because they, like, I, I think the words of Dana, if he if he wanted to, if he wanted to fall asleep quicker, he'd put on the John Fitch fight or something like that, I think was the word. So, Bilal, uh, so not to say Bilal is necessarily to that degree, but he is, you can tell by the reaction to him online, it's kind of controversial, but he yeah. seems like such a nice guy. I know. <laughs> so I think it's because of the fight style. That's why people are kind of yeah. hot and cold on him. With Sean Brady, he's a hot new up-and-comer. But also a guy that there's a lot of question marks about coming off of that third round against Kiesa where he got kind of pummeled. Mm-hmm. He snuck through with the victory because Kiesa couldn't finish him. But, I mean, yeah. he got beat up. Yeah. And he showed that he really is kind of one-dimensional right now. Like, the striking is, you know, you got outstruck by Michael Kiesa. Like, I think that says something about where you stand right now. Um, but his wrestling is phenomenal. Of course. So... You have two guys known for their grappling, heavy on the grappling. Mm-hmm. You're right. I don't know what kind of fight we're going to get. It could be someone just dominating, lay, lay and pray, and not doing much, just holding position for five rounds. It could be that. Yeah. Or what I hope to see is it cancels out. That's what I hope. And see we get to striking. see these guys in some extended striking periods, and we'll see how that goes. Blau held up pretty well against uh, Luque. The, but a lot of that yeah. was the threat of the takedown. Right. I don't think Sean Brady's necessarily worried about... I mean, he could be, but I don't think that's necessarily the concern. But honestly, if this fight stays standing for five rounds, I kind of favor Bilal Muhammad. Like, I'm not sh- going in. I feel like he has the better striking than Sean Brady right now, just as I view it right now. 
Yeah, that's that's it is a very interesting fight. October twenty second. Okay. And, and yeah, I guess for for Bilal, like ideally he would be fighting someone in that around his. I wonder spot. why they didn't do like him and Gilbert though. Um, that's interesting because he's not a name like Hans I haven't really haven't really heard movie. Gilbert's name being tossed around much recently. I, yeah, Gilbert still. It seems like any interview I see with him, people are asking him if he would take a Hamzat rematch, and I'm like, why are we asking him this? I like, know, dude. Let it go. Like Hamzat's. He won the fight, like he's gonna, yeah. like maybe down the line for sure. Right. But right. like, why ask him about what's next? You know, it just yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I, I that is interesting that you asked that. It has to be like Gilbert's Timing, not maybe. ready to go. Yeah. yeah, he's just not ready to go. But I, I'll, as a consolation, I think it's pretty good. Right. Yeah. Let's get into the rest of UFC Vegas Fifty Eight. We start with the co-main event. Two guys. With a combined two fights in the UFC, one each coming in, yeah. getting a co-main spot. And for Kayo Bahayo, this was his second co-main spot in as many fights. So you can tell the UFC yeah. buying into these two guys. And Bahayo gets a pretty dominant unanimous decision win over Armin Petrosian, both uh, former Contender Series veterans as mm-hmm. well, alumni, mm-hmm. as I like to call them, of the show. Uh, Ohio actually fighting twice on there. Yep. Um, two straight co-main events. Two pretty dominant victories. I know the one with Omar Gazi have ended kind of weird, but <laughs> yeah, all true. in all, Dominic, I think this dude's a problem at, at middleweight. I think he's a real problem. I think he, he's very talented. Yeah. And in this fight, Petrosian's a deadly striker. This dude yeah. ha- has the ha- has hands of stone. And he is so talented with the striking. Uh, Ohio not only looked competitive on the feet, but also just out. I mean, just the grappling. He just completely dominated any sort of grappling in this fight. He did the same with Omar Godziev. Yes. He's a problem, Dom. Yeah, there's no other way to put it. He's physically very gifted. He is competent enough on the feet to compete with people long enough to yeah. set up his long enough, he's got the reach you know he's explosive yeah so he's definitely good and especially like if he can continue growing and polishing the skills on the feet more obviously as he continues to evolve up and for arm and Petrosian, we just got to see some weaknesses exposed i feel like you yeah. know his takedown defense wasn't all there but i'm not, not necess- great. yeah well really it was non-existent i don't know if he defended any but <laughs> like you said on the feet He's a beast, and he was in yeah. that sick fight with Gregory Rodriguez. You know he's yeah. there to scrap if someone's willing to do that with him. So it's not like I'm just writing him off after a loss like this because it is a good loss. I'll be just curious, really, for both how the matchmaking goes moving forward. Yeah, for Bahio, I did he have a call? I don't think he had a call out. I don't think he did. But um, he uh, no, he called out Drickus. That's right. Sorry, I yeah. I knew someone in here had a call out, but yeah, yeah. he called out Drickus. Who is the newest member of the top fifteen at middleweight? Yeah, I'm not sure if he'll get that fight. I'd love to see fight. it. That's an interesting, especially fight. coming off of Drickus's last performance, which I still am not sure if I consider that performance like <laughs> positive or negative. The how yeah. I evaluate him, but um, all I know is Bahio looks very polished right now. He's so explosive. The athleticism is unmatched. I mean, his speed, his speed from going from explosive striking to immediately exploding into a takedown attempt. Yeah. I mean, Petrosian was just caught. So off guard. Yeah. Every time. 
And I think that's a big weakness for Petruzian moving forward. It seems the the book is there on how to beat this guy. Yeah. And for him, he's 35 years old. Oh, is he? I didn't yeah, even realize I that. Don't, I don't feel super confident that this that he's really we're really going to see him like reach another level. Like I think right. he's very talented. It's where he's good at. He's great at it. But I and good for some fun fights. I mean Gregory Rodriguez and him that was yeah. fun. But I don't know if we'll really ever see him hit like a like a top fifteen or anything mm. like that. I just don't know if he has time. Just... Would you real quick? Would you be surprised if Kyo's next fight is top fifteen? I feel on, like I would. On be one hand, if the UFC on did. one hand, I would say yes because I feel like well, it'd be the same amount of fights that it took Jerkis to get top fifteen, right? Because yeah, Jerkis his third twice, fight, I think. Yeah, and Bohio's gotten two co-main events, so yeah, I would not be surprised um, when you put it that way. Middleweight, especially being a division that is probably maybe the weakest of the men's divisions. Yeah, like I'd it say it probably is right yeah. now. So I think you get a guy like this who shows a lot of potential, and he's a guy that you can kind of like. He's got a nice look to him. He's got. He's like kind of presents himself as like a fight nerd, right? He's got and he glasses, speaks English, even though he's speaks Brazilian. English, um, but then he's got these gnarly tattoos. I mean, the yeah. neck tattoo is intense. Yeah, like the yeah. way the script on there—it kind of looks like like a serial killer writing on the walls or something. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's very intense. So he's got a good look. Um, I like to see what's next for him because this was pretty dominant. And yeah, also by the way. This might be a knock on him in this fight. Did you know he only landed 12 significant strikes in this fight? No, but, like, immediately looking back in my head, I'm not surprised. I mean, like, he was constantly just, fin- like, looking for transitions. Does that make it more impressive? And... It's got to make it more impressive, right, that he could get a win that nobody even questioned, especially when we talk about strikes. and we talk about damage being key, and yeah. he clearly won that fight all three rounds. Yeah, that's, um, that's the, that, that was very Damian Maya esque. If, if I, if I, that's if a I good comparison. Yeah. yeah. Next up, Saeed, not related to Habib Nurmagomedov, <laughs> but still from Dagestan. He is he is Habib if Habib decided he wanted to strike a little bit. Yeah. He gets the win over Douglas Silva de Andrade via unanimous decision. This ended Scrappy. up being a this ended up being a pretty fun scrap. Dom, what did you take away here? Uh, Douglas Silva de Andrade is a fucking tank, first and foremost. I think <laughs> you even you called him a brute on Friday, I think, and he just is, man. He just marches forward. Saeed showed a couple flaws, but not like bad flaws. I think it was just Douglas just pressing forward. He's gonna land eventually, but mm-hmm. Saeed's really good. He's so yeah. good on the feet. He's so good. He's so fast. He's so long. <laughs> He doesn't even like really utilize his grappling, but it's scary because you like know it's there in his back yeah. pocket if he wants Submitted to. Submitted Cody Stamen in less than a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I did you hear the stat that they were saying going into the fight? Mm. He if it didn't happen, obviously, but he was on two in a row finishes in under a minute. Had he finished Douglas in under a minute, it would have um beaten Ronda Rousey for like oh, most wow. consecutive <laughs> sub one minute performances. But that would have been insane. <laughs> yeah. Um Bantamweight is on fire. Yeah, dude. And this is, uh, I mean, you literally have him and Umar yeah. and Nurmagomedov both in Bantamweight right now. Can we it's get that just, fight next? <laughs> I am actually here for it. I've, yeah. I saw people call for it, actually, when Umar fought, and um, why not? 
right? I mean, I mean they're not. Apparently, they're not kind of like they're not tight like that. I guess Saeed's. They've not probably really... wrestled a bear together. Or I'm sure they. I'm sure they've crossed but... paths because I, I don't think Dagestan's like a super. Yeah, I think area, like but, he's trained with Habib and whatever, but but apparently he's not in that like right. he doesn't he's not training with, with under the Abdul Manap like guys yeah. you know I would do um, it I would that'd be crazy bro I, it, this was a fight I felt like the line was a little staggered to Nurmagomedov here like I thought Douglas Silva de Andrade being such a tank and a beefy boy that uh, he just had a better chance than what the odds were telling us going in yeah I think that's really the takeaway here I just felt like. Saeed's very good, but I think this fight proved that he's not necessarily like... I don't think he's on an Umar's level yet. That's a good takeaway, I think. I'm actually trying to find this tweet really quick from Aaron Bronstetter. Go Um, ahead, but I'll find it. So, what I wanted to say was, you know what this fight reminded me when these two were standing? What's that? You know those, like, tops? You spin them, and they just, like, spin? Yeah. That's what oh, those yeah. two did there the whole so fight. So things. much spinning shit in yeah. this fight. It was like it was cracking me up at points. <laughs> like Douglas Silva would miss on like a spinning back fist, and then he'd like square up, and then he'd just do it Spin again. again. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, man, that that I'm like, like these these guys were going, man, I'm about to spin so motherfucking loud right now. <laughs> Listen. I have to say this stat really fast. Shout out Aaron Bronstetter. I feel like we mention him more than anybody else, journalist-wise. With Saeed Nurmagomedov scoring a win, fighters with Magomed in their name mm. have a record of 48 wins and 8 losses in the <laughs> UFC. That's an 86% win percentage. Yep. So there's that for you. <laughs> it's pretty insane. And when you look at the losses, uh, I know Saeed has one to Hayoni Barcelos, who's another yep. very talented guy at, at yeah. Bantamweight. But, um, like, Ankalaev has a loss to Paul Craig. And yeah. then, like, outside of that, with it's one a second of, left in the fight, too. <laughs> a fight he was winning yeah. up until that point. And then, um, I think outside of that, the rest of the guys, like, that Mustafaev, who, um, has the win over Fizaev, um, he has two losses in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Magomed Mustafaev, I believe is his name. Um, mostly guys who aren't even in the company anymore. It's just so, like, it's, it's crazy what that region is producing. I mean, it's truly it's takeover of the neckbeards. And I, I would do the battle of Nurmagomedov. I would. I, I be... I'm not against it, but like I just said, I do think Umar's a bit further along. Yeah. Than Saeed. I think this fight kind of showed that. But don't give me make no mistake about it. We're gonna we see it the, one day. Yes, they're very talented guys all around, and I I think people want to see it because it's the the you know mm-hmm. it's just such an interesting name yeah. battle thing, and truthfully they're both just so talented. But yeah, yeah. Uh, next one here, I guys, I can't believe it's on here. I can't believe I put it on here. They found a way. Chase the Vanilla Gorilla Sherman snaps his four fight losing streak inside of the octagon, gets the third round TKO. Of Jared Bandura, three minutes ten seconds in of round number three, yeah. are what we kind of mock as like the showcase heavyweight main card fight of the week that the UFC kind of seems to love putting on main cards. These two unremarkable heavyweights going at it, and a lot of yeah. times it's like the worst fight of the card. Uh, this fight actually quite surprised me. It was actually pretty pretty fun. Um, yeah, wasn't fun losing money on it. 
I did have this, well, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I, I, I wasn't fun losing money on it. Barry, and it, honestly, it, it, it only put more salt in the wound when there was a finish in round three that definitely <laughs> like, hurt me even more. Yeah. yeah. Um, but all in all, I mean, shout out to Chase Sherman and Jared Vandura. They both brought it. I also though have to say like Chase Sherman, I thought fought a very good fight. Like I he think, did. I don't know what is, I don't know if he, I would say he should probably get a bonus off the top of my head. I mean, there's not many I, people you give one to like him, Cody Brundage. Those are kind of maybe, maybe Onama, but like, I don't even know if you give Onama one over, uh, and then Fazaya, they might have given. I don't yeah, know. That's if true. They've given him out yet, but um, or Sedjukov, Kakramanov, he might be up. But like, I think he's at the top of that list, maybe. And I yeah. mean, for a guy who was three and nine coming in, and yeah, combined toss two him a bag. Stents, yeah. like you know, I gotta say, I'm kind of proud of the guy. And for Vandura, though, big question: like, what was going on with that? Perf- like, don't get me wrong, he was hanging in there, mm-hmm. had his moments for sure. But, like, his team and him, like, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, it was pretty clear the way that fight was going. Like, he was getting beat up a little bit. Yeah. And he's a guy that has a clear advantage in the ground game. I know. He never even had a take down Never attempt. even attempted. And, there, and that was becoming a popular, like, Oh, yeah, it was all over the place. Yeah. Submission, round two, round three submission. Yeah. Didn't even attempt to take down. Crazy. I mean, just, I, I I was big on a Vandura submission. I really thought that might be the way this fight goes. Yeah, that's what I had predicted in my head. I We kind of said on Thursday that they were going to, basically they were both fighting for their jobs, and they both came out and fought that way. So uh, Sherman definitely earned another fight or a contract. I don't know what his situation is. Um, and Vandura, like, honestly, he'll probably fight again in the UFC too. <laughs> Yeah, we said that they're fighting for their careers, but, like, are they? Probably not now. Next up, Jamie Malarkey got a split decision win over Michael Johnson that some would say, in the words of current president Joe Biden, that's a bunch of malarkey. (laughs) I see what you did there. Uh, So this was probably the best fight of the night. Yeah, had it not been for this fight, Sherman and Vandera would have got fight of the night. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, Malarkey and Michael Johnson, man. We kind of thought this fight would be pretty pretty great, but yeah. I didn't expect it to go the full distance. I really thought a finish would come in. And in round one, I thought that looked like a smart play. I had someone I thought uh, was going. <laughs> I know, Dom, that probably hurt. You had that as in one of your parlays, that inside the distance. I mean, two knockdowns in round one. Uh, yeah. One guy, you get... Michael Johnson nearly putting out Jamie Malarkey and then Malarkey coming back and dropping Michael Johnson at the end of the round. Um, the action didn't stop for the entirety of the fight. It was back and forth, momentum swing. Yeah. You know, round two was a clear Malarkey round. He did round so three, good. Right when you thought, cause he was like breaking down Michael Johnson. Oh, I thought he was going to finish in the second. And then round three where I'm feeling very confident in my Malarkey money line play on the, the parlay I had. All of a sudden, Michael Johnson has his best run of the fight. And I'm like, yeah. man, I'm like, man, these two Chill. guys just, yeah, yeah I, I loved it. I loved what I saw here from both guys. This is, I, so I'm, truthfully, you know, betting bias, right? I fully admit I would probably be angry if I had bet on Michael Johnson or if I had just not bet on the fight at all. Yeah. But I can't deny I had a betting bias. So when I watched it, I thought round one was very close, and then they I had both round had and I had round two 
for Malarkey and round three yeah. for Johnson. So yeah. to me, I when I I thought there was a I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, it's Michael Johnson's getting the nod. I'm screwed. I thought it was a close fight. Yeah. So I saw a lot of people saying for Johnson. I think the well vast majority scored this fight for Johnson, and rightfully so, I'm sure. But um, that's why I'm not coming in here more livid like I've been yeah. on certain fights. Just being full transparent about it. But um, this feels like a fight that nobody lost. Like, nobody yeah. knew. The only thing that sucks about saying that, though, is like Michael Johnson doesn't get a win bonus because of that. Yeah. But truthfully, both guys come out looking like a million bucks, in my opinion. Yeah, Michael Johnson does it again. He's always in barn burners. Jamie Malarkey, short career, three and three in the UFC, but he's always in fucking uh, yeah. wars too, he's in man. Scraps, man. I still believe in that kid's potential a little bit, but he likes to get hit. That's I do. Yeah, he's. Uh, it's kind of weird, right? Because if you really go off of what the majority opinion was, he should be like two and four in the UFC, and mm. it's just kind of a tough. Like. I still believe in like I consider him one of a like a prospect, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Like he looks great here, but then I feel like I almost feel like when he's fighting certain guys, he's getting the best of them. True, that's a great way. And to I don't back know to. if that's because of where he is lacking, or because they're just shining the brightest. Like Michael Johnson looked. This was even an improvement on the Alan Patrick performance. It was, yeah. Yeah. He looked great here against a guy more on his level in terms of striking. And dude, isn't he still so fast, Michael? Shoo! This dude, his he, hand speed. I, I never. I want Michael Johnson to keep fighting forever. Like just yeah. keep that guy fighting. He's fun to watch. Yeah. Next up, Cody Brundage. This was the oh, most surprising so you're a, finish. Oh, so you're a striker now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he gets the first round KO over Trayshawn Gore. I was so. Excited! I didn't even put down the time of the finish on here. I don't know what it is. Um, Cody Brundage, through his two UFC performances, and even on his contender series loss to, um, oh, who did he lose to? It was uh, hmm, something Clark William or no William Knight? That's who he lost. William to Knight. Contender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really remember much from that fight, but then in the UFC so far, he lost to Nick Maximov, right? And then I think so. And then yeah. he got the win over that Doucha Lungambola. Yeah, he got a first round. And that sub, was I think. and that was where Doucha looked like like was beating the shit out of him, yeah. and out of nowhere he got a submission. So really, I've been kind of underwhelmed with Brundage up to this point. Like he was one and one. And that comeback win in the first fight where he looked like he was on the ropes, about to be finished, somehow gets a takedown and gets a submission but before the end of the round. I, I just, the Maximoff fight, he didn't show me a ton. And then there I was kind of like, okay, if this dude gets like, if he goes up against a smarter fighter, they're going to put him away. Yeah. And here he's going up against Treshawn Gore, who... Has nasty power. Has nasty power. Um, his biggest issue, I think, is his output. 100%. Yeah. And cardio, I guess, for that. But that neither one of those became really an issue here. Didn't have time to. Yeah. It Brundage, was 350 in the first. Brundage, thank you. <laughs> Brundage was adamant about going for the takedown early. He got, he landed, a mul I think, multiple takedowns. Fight gets back on the feet, though, and he says, all right, I'm done with that shit. <laughs> and then yeah. lands... Truly a nasty fucking combination. Yeah. I mean, the knockdown had stiffened up Treshawn, and then he kind of got on top of him, 
And I, I, those knockouts, they look like they're from a video game because Trey yes. Sean's like fighting back, and then literally just one boop, and he's just done. Yeah. Zero. There's was, nothing left. He put him to sleep. Just a great performance for a guy who I had been kind of out on, and now he's 2-1 and one in the UFC and arguably had the biggest standout performance here of the night. Yeah, no, I want to ask you because you're, you know, you have an interesting relationship with the ultimate fighter. Treshawn Gore, um, I, obviously he was in the finals, supposed to be mm-hmm. against Brian Battle, and he did get injured, so he didn't get to fight in it. So um, I guess it's necessarily not like a bad thing that the UFC still brought him in to give him a chance. But like, do you think after like this type of loss, do you think he even fights, gets another chance in the UFC now? It's hard to say, but if you asked me just off of like what I've seen, then no. He's like, well, yeah, we gave you a chance because you got injured, but I just don't think he's shown much. If you really think about it, like the Brian Battle fight, he was super disappointing in that fight. Yeah, like just his cardio didn't hold up yet. His output was so low. Right, right. So it was like kind of just a very weird fight. I I actually just watched his first fight uh, because I'm watching that season of The Ultimate Fighter right now, and I I just watched his. Uh, fight. I forget. Uh, Ryder, his first New- fight Ryder, was knockout, right? Ryder, no, okay. Ryder, Ryder Newman. Uh, not that you would remember that name, but um, it went to a decision. Okay. But um, I guess that's a uh, spoiler. That Oops, the next seized. fight will be a knockout. But no, I, I, I knew that the, he has that reputation for a reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, he looked good in that fight that I watched. That I just watched. But I mean. You know his output still wasn't super yeah, high. Yeah, it's it's, just, he's, it's very odd. Um, he's an odd he's an odd guy. I think he's just very green right now. And yeah, here you got knocked out by a guy who's not known for his stand up. I don't know if you can really bounce back from that right now. I'm sure yeah. he can over time. Go string some wins together. He's got the 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 yeah, the. He's got the tools. Yeah. He's just yeah. got to put it together, right? Yeah, so. when you say green, I mean, I think he's like four and two now. So, like, five, I mean, yeah, and he's and still two. super young. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, David Onamadam, we didn't really get a ch- I kind of, unfortunately, over, over, passed over him in our preview. You gave me a chance accident. at the end. But, you know, it was a big deal that David Onama got to stay on this card. He's Dominic's biggest prospect. For this year, he said everybody to watch out for. He he made that claim mm-hmm. when Onama hadn't even won in the UFC yet. He was 0-1. So yeah. Dominic, a true rider, died for David Onama. Uh, this was his third outing in the UFC. He was 1-1 uh, coming in here. Going up against a familiar foe, a very last-second opponent, Garrett Armfield, who is currently fighting at Bantamweight. He's a Bantamweight champion for one of those uh, regional promotions. Mm-hmm. But uh, they had fought on the... Um, they got the they fought they was, it was both of their last amateur fights yeah. was against each I was other. like I couldn't remember the amateurs is yeah. where they fought no Nama had the win there so he was the biggest favorite on the card he was like a minus 900 yeah um my big takeaway from this truly like David Onama looked good he looked I mean he did what he was supposed to do he right got a really slick submission in round two round two he looked great I mean he did just, yeah but my bigger takeaway is, like, I want to see Garrett Armfield fight again. I was going to say the same thing. And, yeah. you know, it's weird because I want to see him fight in his weight class, but Bantamweight's so fucking stacked that, like, I guess that's where he should go. But it's like, shit, it's like sending someone. I mean, Featherweight's stacked too, but it's like, God, I feel like I'm sending them into a tougher division. But 
Um, I, round one, Onama did not look like a minus 900 favorite. No. Not that he looked bad, but Garrett Armfield came to fight. And he those did, two man. were trading. And Armfield landed the biggest shot of the round. He rocked Onama mm-hmm. pretty bad. So um, good on Onama to get the win again. Like, good. I still think, like, Onama should be fighting better opponents than this. And I know he lost his original opponent. But, but that was still, like, what, even Austin, Austin Lingo? Lingo, I was yeah. like, okay, I feel like Onama's above this at this point. Yeah. I mean, the guy yeah. debuted against Mason Jones and then fought Gabriel Benitez. <laughs> yeah, like, I get it. You're slow building a guy, but... Like, I feel like we're going down. Like, yeah. Mason Jones and then Gabriel Benitez and then... At least go, like, awesome. a steady... You know, yeah, like, up. there should be an incline here. Yeah. Um, so that's why I don't have a ton of takeaways on him, but I'm assuming yeah. you'll have something pretty positive to say here. So what, what do you feel? How did you, as a David Onama stand, did you walk away from this performance feeling maybe more positive, more maybe a little negative, or was it pretty just consistent with how you felt about him all along probably still the same because on one end we got to see his groundwork he's pretty slick down there and the submission came well but like that he has 10 finishes 100 percent finish rate but it's six knockouts four subs so you know almost 50 50 60 40 but in the first round he gets hit you know what i mean i mean he got hit in that fight against gabriel benitez he got wobbled a little bit in that first round he got wobbled here against garrett armfield and you know i mean people get hit but he's kind of okay with getting into the fire early and so it was nice to see him get to the second round for this fight obviously he went the distance with mason jones that fight was fucking incredible that fight was so awesome but james Krause is like dude chill out fight smarter you then you see what he comes out and does in the second round he looks great so when he's on i think he's got like a really high ceiling obviously but if he's if he's complacent and he gets comfortable going out there and swinging and banging as we like to throw that term around it gets a little nervous, you know, mm-hmm. a little nerve-wracking. But I do believe in him. I'm excited. Hopefully, we'll get him one more time before the year's over as well. But, yeah, please, let's let's bump the competition up for David and let's get Garrett Armfield in there um, in the UFC for another fight for sure. Great. Our opener of the whole card, Ronnie Lawrence, the guy that probably most people knew coming in here, mm-hmm. a guy who was kind of on a lot of people's radar, growing a little bit, a fantastic wrestler, grappler, uh, also has one of the best cardios in the whole UFC. Yeah. And Dominic, not oh only did he get outworked for three rounds by Sedjikov Kakramanov, he got outgrappled to every pillar to post it was... for 15 minutes. Wow. What yeah. a performance for Kakramanov to come in here against Ronnie Lawrence, who's very tough opponent, and just make it look easy. Yeah, it really was like, well, we're about to get into the bet slip, but I uh, a lot of times I don't necessarily have like too many negative takeaways. I feel like I do place good bets, and if they miss, they miss. That's just the name of the game sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this one was one of the ones in a long time where I felt like, oh, shit, I did not do enough homework. I missed the ball on this, and I, I lost money. That's what this was because Kakramanov looked unreal for 15 straight minutes, dominated this fight, absolutely dominated it everywhere it went looked great on the feet out grappled the cardio machine and ronnie lawrence i mean it was it was a perfect performance that's bantamweight right yeah that's bantamweight too yeah so (laughs) yeah i mean come on dude like ronnie lawrence is still a very talented guy in that i know it's crazy all of a sudden kakramanov is like ran through him man i mean that dude be on the lookout for him moving forward that's all i say absolutely Uh, Let's move on to the bet slip. 
Another little bit of a disappointing week. We kind of go back to back, dropping just uh, around the minus half units. Yeah. So it's like we're holding steady, but you know we're still dropping a little bit, and we're already kind of. I mean, we're basically breaking even for the year. Yeah. Um, it's a tough week. If one bet goes the other way, like you know, know. the Courtney Casey one hurts. That hurts. That would have been bit. huge too. You know, because we we felt pretty strongly that she, we thought she won that fight against Antonina. I can't say anything because I'm the guy here that's thinking. Well, I thought Johnson Malarkey was pretty <laughs> close, and um, yeah, you know, yeah. so I'm not allowed to say anything. I get it, but you know, if Courtney Casey goes the other way, all of a sudden it's like a huge week for us. So it's and it's even like that third parlay, like Johnson Malarkey inside the distance. Mm-hmm. Motherfuckers get knocked down 17 <laughs> times in the fight, and nobody gets in. Like literally, that right yeah. there, we go positive. If Courtney hits, we go well in the positive because we had two units on her. It's like, so like I said, I mean, really, to me, only bad bet, and it's it's on me. Is was Lorani Lawrence, but like mm-hmm. Noah put the unit or uh, 1.35 on Vandura and Sherman. It, where does it end? Three minutes in. To be fair, Noah, it, even if you would have bet under two and a half, that wouldn't hit either. So if that makes That's you feel true. any better. That's true. But, uh, and, and there was some luck on our side. Like I said, yeah, I had the malarkey decision go my way, which helped for my parlay. And then, um, which fight was that? The uh, Yeah, the, Incho- the Inzik-Chukwu-Roberson fight. I had under two and a half rounds, and that hit with like 12 seconds 12 to spare. 12 seconds, yeah. So there was some luck on my side this week. I actually felt the love from the MMA gods, the betting gods for once, after mm-hmm. like just the brutal path of the last few months where it felt like everything that could go wrong would go wrong. So I can I'm tell, not, like, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I've just, truthfully, I just, I feel pretty good, even though, again, it sucks to go back to back weeks of just so close to positive but mm-hmm. um as a whole i still feel like we are doing much better as betters it's just about getting them to to hit you know right and i was just gonna say i mean literally looking at this sheet you hit three of four with your kind of fight prop slash over under slash you know mm-hmm. go the distance type stuff you're feeling confident in that realm and it's pretty obvious here and like the zahabi tercios I mean, lock of the night on this bet sheet. It was a perfect bet there to put the unit and a half down. Yeah, but, like, is weird... that where you're feeling the most confident right now? That's interesting that you pointed that out because I really haven't – I really don't think about it like that when I put bets in. Like, I – to me, it's just kind of, like, I don't feel any – like, I don't go into when I'm picking bets. I don't really go into it in, in my mind feeling like I'm better at a certain thing. Gotcha. Outside of I guess parlays, like again, I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. he- I'm pretty hesitant to go more than two legs anymore because yeah. I've just been burned by the three leg parlay <laughs> so much. Yeah, the one and I'm always putting like two units on it, like a fucking jackass. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I just you know it's it's interesting that you noticed that. I really didn't even think about that. It's just uh, it's just wherever I feel like I go based off of how I feel how I evaluate a fight. Right, of course. I thought Courtney Casey should have been the favorite against Antonina, and then when I saw she was a pretty heavy underdog, I'm like, well. I'm playing it, you know. Yeah. RDA, I thought, was much cl- – I, I was still probably a slightly favored Fizayev on the odds, but I didn't think RDA was a plus 180. Right. Sure, that's how the fight turned out, but that's why I kind of put money on him because I feel like that's where the value was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of those money line – like the money line parlay, Bahia and Malarkey were two guys I felt very strongly in. Mm-hmm. That based on the matchups that we're going to have strong performances. I 
was mostly right about that. You know, you and then you do some statistically like Zahabi Tercios, Ricky Tercios goes to decisions all the time. Yeah, I actually I said on a, Friday, a Thursday show I was very tempted to go Ricky by decision, but I said I thought Zahabi might keep it close, and then yeah. you never know. Yeah, and really, I mean Tercios, I mean only landing like fifteen percent of his strikes. Yeah, like, that was, the hell, was crazy stats. What the hell happened there? So. uh Zahavi ends up kind of making it look somewhat easy, 29-28 across the board. But I digress. Um, I feel I still feel good about where we stand, even though, again, back-to-back negative weeks. I think, uh, I think the bets we're putting out there are just much better than what we were doing before. And when I say we, I really mean me, because I'm <laughs> the one that's been holding back our year our year uh numbers so yeah, now um, i've got the yips so that's awesome once we <laughs> once once we both come together i'm telling you man that, yeah, that's when it's gonna be nice yeah so uh that's gonna wrap it up for that and as always um we end this show only one way and that's with closing statements the point of the show where me and dom can get anything and everything off our chest mma related or not so dominic do you have any closing statements for this monday edition I do, I do. Um, I want to ask, and you're a movie connoisseur, and I, I was looking for clips for the Battle of Rafael's for the main event tonight, yeah. and I couldn't help but think Rafael meant Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I love right. those guys. And they've made so many movies over the years, animated, real life, kind of mixture of animation and real life, like the newer ones. I haven't seen yeah, those, yeah, yeah. but... Um, there's just so many of them, but I love, love, love the three like real person in costume movies from yeah. the 1990s so much. I pulled that clip of with Raphael from the first movie, but Noah, well, really the audience, do you guys like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Do you like those OG 1990s movies? Cause I love them so much. I think they're fucking hilarious and so good. What do you think about those, Noah? Because you're a different type of movie critic than me. <laughs> well, in a sense, but I do, I really do like the original uh, Ninja Turtles movie from 1990. Yeah. I think it's just a lot of fun. So fun. I did, I did watch it a little bit as a kid, but I don't, I, I don't remember watching Ninja Turtles that much, but what I, I just remember the look of the costume so much yeah. because there was a TV show that me and my cousin would watch called dinosaurs does anybody remember that show where it was i like, feel like i've heard it they were dinosaurs but they were like almost like in a modern day so they were like they were it was like a family of dinosaurs in a house and like they're all dressed like they're like humans but dinosaurs you know yeah. what i'm saying right like they're all dressed up like going to work or whatever drinking coffee you know all mm. that but it's dinosaurs but they're in the same type of costumes that the ninja turtles are <laughs> Gotcha. And that show just cracked me up because I don't the look of the dinosaurs is so fucking funny to me. But um, I just remember that look, those costumes. They're very yeah. memorable looks. Um, the second movie I remember liking because I actually watched them all like a couple years ago. So I they're I more just fresh. Watched, that was the first thing I did when we got HBO Max. So I watched those three movies. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the second one I like a little bit less. It's a little more kid friendly than mm-hmm. like the first one. I feel like you can kind of you know it's good. it's a little edgy, you yeah. know, a little bit. Right. But the second one I felt like was very heavily leaning towards the kids, but it's still solid. Yeah. The third movie I think is a pile of trash. Yeah, the, it's not the one great. Where they, the one the where they time travel. Yeah, to Japan or something. Yeah, that yeah. one's pretty 
pretty bad. Like the co- the costumes are bad in that one. Like the, they did get the worse. Mouths like yeah. aren't moving around. It's 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 a mess. And then um, the new ones, like the ones that they now did, these I've not seen. Uh, there's two of them. Michael mm-hmm. Bay. Uh, I don't know if he directed them, but it's I think he was heavily involved in the making. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Megan Fox is in them. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. I didn't really care for either one of them, but they're not, like, terrible. Like, I would recommend you probably watch them since you're such a fan of the mm, original yeah. just to see. Um, it's just a little, like, I th- I don't love the look of them in the movie. I've seen um, those pictures. They look, yeah. Uh, but all in all, like, they're not terrible, but I, they're they're pretty mediocre at best. Like, yeah. WWE's uh, Sheamus is in one of them. Really? He that? plays, uh, yeah, he's like a like one of the side villains, I think. He would be a good villain. I could see that. Yeah. Um, so my closing statement for today is I have to issue a statement on behalf of the show and just as as Dominic's uh, co-lead. Oh I forgot this was coming. <laughs> There's not too many times, you know. I, I throw a lot of shit at Dom in this show. Like, I... <laughs> I make him uncomfortable. I, you know, I, I, I air out his his horny laundry. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I just said horny laundry instead of dirty laundry. It's pretty. I kind of like that phrase better. <laughs> um, you know, I, I make Dom. Sometimes I like treat Dom like he like he'll say something and I'll just come out and be like, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard." And Dominic is much more nice about it to me. Like you know, I'm just. Quite a dick to Dom sometimes. (laughs) And that continued on Thursday when Dominic was uh, talking about copyright law and he was talking about the video (laughs) that you guys might have seen in Thursday's video. Uh, The the office-style interaction between uh, Henry Cejudo, Sean O'Malley, side characters, Davis and Figueredo and Uriah (laughs) Faber in the background. And I was like cracking my ass off. I'm like, Dominic, you're over here getting worried about a little Twitter video getting copyright striked. I'm like, we put whole ass movie scenes in our in our episodes. Yeah. And that night <laughs> we literally got a copyright claim. Not strike. Yeah, claim, claim, guys. We're Shano's healthy. We're good. Um So I am here. <laughs> To, to issue an apology to Dom for... I, it turns out I don't know shit. <laughs> and not only that, but the irony like <laughs> of that situation is not... has not set in yet. <laughs> but when it does, I'm going to have a good old laugh about it. But for now, Dominic is... Dominic knows everything. I know nothing. That's what you guys got to take away moving forward. And uh, maybe if I had just told him, yeah, maybe don't do it, we may not have a copyright claim on that video. So We live and learn. I mean, it was a funny-ass video. It is so funny, (laughs) dude. I had to keep it in, yeah. Did I realize that it was, was it the Mac Life that put that out? It was BT Sport. BT Sport. I don't know if I would have said it differently if I had known that it was like a major like for some reason i thought it was like some random joe schmo oh. film in this yeah so that's why i thought it was so funny i was like 
Was well, this a, was some fucking kid from at the fights at right Capitol right time? Yeah. But no, it turns out BT Sport. Okay, well, they're pretty <laughs> yeah. big, so I guess yeah. uh, I could see that. But um, look, I'm an idiot, guys. I don't know what to say. No, look at me. No. I, I'm, I have the guns out. You know, just I'm all I'm all ass, no brains here. You know. <laughs> But uh, for those of you at home watching, we appreciate you. That's all the time we have. I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We're the Blue Average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Thursday.